This is the Get Better Everyday Podcast with Matt Gouget. Actionable advice from real-life superheroes who, just like you, are in relentless pursuit of the best version of themselves. Whether you're just getting started or have been at it for years, my hope is that this podcast injects you with some positive energy to continue doing what brings you joy. Join me as I interview the best of the best in business, sports, and life. Let's grow together. Hi, I'm Alex. And I'm KJ. And we're the producers of the Get Better Everyday Podcast. Do you like podcasts? Well, then hit us up. IkePodcastNetwork.com will help you build your show. All right, Get Better Everyday Podcast with Matt Gouget. I'm excited today. I've got Dan Fantasia. Uh, He's been in the field of sales recruiting since 1997, founded Treeline in 2001. Uh, exclusive focus on helping companies build world-class elite sales team, help change the lives of thousands of sales professionals. I'm excited uh, because, you know, as part of a a growing company who's trying to train sales professionals um, at UMortgage, I'm going to learn a lot. I'm going to try to extract a bunch from you, Dan, so the Get Better Everyday listeners um, learn a lot today as well. So um, for the past 20 plus years, you know, Treeline, the company you founded, dedicated to helping companies recruit, build sales organizations, um, and, and has become a trusted advisor to thousands of sales professionals. what I missed, Dan? <laughs> Nothing, man. You <laughs> nailed it. You nailed it. Thanks for having me, Matt. This is great. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. It's it's going to be a great conversation. And, you know, me and you were talking a little bit offline about, um, you know, how I feel about the mortgage industry. The mortgage industry, um, to a certain extent, in my eyes, um, has a licensing process and mortgage professionals get licensed and then it's sink or swim, hundred percent commission. Good luck to you. You know, different companies have different resources. Um, but I don't know if, if, if there's any that do it well, of course I'm biased you mortgage. We're building the greatest thing, um, in the country right now and, and have some integrated sales stuff. But, um, tell me a little bit maybe about, um, how you got into, that field and and what's evolved over the last two decades. Yeah, so I <clears throat> I I studied uh, environmental design and architecture in college, and now I'm a sales recruiter. Right, <laughs> I've been doing it for, for well, at Treeline for 22 years, of course, and then really about 26 years total. But um, I got into it because um, I was working night shifts at a company right out of college. Actually, I was a ski bum right out of college. When I came back, I worked night shifts. And then shortly thereafter, due to my hard, my work ethic and my uh, adaptability, I became the general manager selling these services. Well, after a while, I got to a point and I realized the company wasn't going anywhere. I needed to do something different. I needed to change. I went to a recruiting firm. And my goal was to get into software. I was, I was looking for a software sales opportunity. I went to the recruiting firm. I had a bunch of opportunities on the table. And they said, before you consider this, before you consider any one of these offers, consider our firm. It was 100% commission. I had a draw going into it. So you, you know this, Matt, right? You, you know how, you, you, know, you, know, you know this business. Um, and my friends, everyone thought, everyone thought I was crazy. My parents were like, what are you doing? And I, and I basically was like, I, I don't know. I have no idea what recruiting is. I'm taking a leap of faith because I like the company. I like the culture. I like the idea of what I'm doing, helping people. I joined the company. It was an absolute bomb. My first six months, I was just bad. 
mostly because I was young and naive. I couldn't take leadership. I couldn't really advise or coach people and give them valuable advice. I was, I was too busy being led by them as, as to what their selfish needs and wants were that I couldn't really give them advice because I just didn't have the confidence to do so. Um, after my first six months, my, my CEO sat me down. He really, you know, you know, uh, he really came at me pretty aggressively, like you've got to change. And so I did change. And uh, then that next year, I became the number three rep. The next year, I became the number one rep, managing partner, and had a tremendous amount of success. Unfortunately, while I loved the company and the environment and the, and the people, um, the, it, it was becoming more cutthroat as the company grew. And so I decided to leave to start Treeline. And my goal was to build a company culture, positive environment, uh, super energetic, uh, contagious, like an energetic, an energetic, dynamic vibe that was contagious. And ever since 2000, we started in 2001, just before September 11th, we started in March, six months later was September 11th. And from day one till now, we've had this positive, driven, outgoing, happy workplace where everyone finds great success and really enjoys working at the company. I love it. I love it. So, so Treeline, just for my, for, for my understanding, you know, you come alongside a company and kind of, you know, uh, you partner with them in a sense where they bring you on to say, help us with our recruiting, helping us with our sales training efforts. Yeah. Typically a company will say uh, we don't have the resources or, or our resources aren't skilled in recruiting salespeople. I mean, there's not, there's very few firms like ours in the U S there's, there's a couple, we're probably the largest. Um, and we just have built the playbook around helping companies hire talented salespeople. And it's a tough, it's a tough business, right? When you look at corporations, if you look at their recruiting team and ask them what jobs they want to recruit the least on, it's the sales roles. It's a, it's a different type of recruiting style. And if you don't have a strong understanding of how to, um, how to gain interest uh, or get people excited uh, or, or interested in speaking with you to learn about opportunities that could advance their career, both professionally as well as financially. It's really hard to get their attention and it's really hard to talk to them. So if you don't have the team that's, that knows how to do that or enjoys doing that, what ends up happening is you have a recruiting team that kind of posts jobs, you get whatever you get, and then you basically end up hiring the best of the worst because no one's really bringing you any elite sales professionals that bring real value to your company. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I want to pull something out that you said, because I'm interested in your take on this. You talked about somebody sitting you down and, and giving it to you hard. And um, it was good because you're willing to, to kind of accept that. And, you know, in the, in the get better everyday mindset, um, you've got to be willing to, to take feedback to get better every day. And so as you were telling that story, um, it reminded me of being 19 at a, at a bank teller job. And uh, I was young and dumb. And, and you know, uh, it, it took me into my 30s, I think, until I grew up. So at 19, I was definitely, you know, a uh, full-fledged idiot. And and so some of, some of the stuff that I did, um, you know, I had to have some sort of mentorship or somebody to say, hey, listen, kid, you're young, but you've got potential and and give it to me straight, but give it to me hard. Um, what do you think it is about, you know, your personality that um, you were able to, to take that feedback and, and use it rather than be like, oh, this old guy doesn't know what the heck he's talking about? Yeah, I think uh, 
I am not afraid to make mistakes or try new things. As we just talked about before this, right? Uh, MMA on Wednesday. So <laughs> I'm 52 years old. Let's go for it. But uh, the point is, uh, what happened was, um, I, I, I guess I had there was fear. I had you know fear, uncertainty, doubt around how to lead, um, how to lead a person that had more experience in sales through their career and give them valuable advice on what their next step was. So because of that fear, it overtook, it had overtaken me. And so I was listening to what the, the individuals uh, wanted in their life, not necessarily what they, um, what the best path for them was, but just what they wanted. When my CEO sat down with me and whacked me and basically said, Dan, what the hell are you doing? That was when I became more fearful of my CEO and screwing up the opportunity than I did about, you know, appeasing every candidate that walked through the door. And so when the fear switched, um, it really made, it forced me to, to get outside of my comfort zone, to listen and learn and do exactly what, you know, you know, the CEO told me to do. And by doing that, I, I continued to learn. I got so much stronger much, much better. And then because of my work ethic, my drive, my aptitude, um, I just outworked everyone basically. And I just pushed hard to be the best in the company. And that was my goal. And I'd say it to myself every day on the way to work. <laughs> I don't know if you believe it. I don't know if you believe in positive mental affirmation. I, I, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of coached my kids on it and my wife and yeah. now they all believe in it, but basically you know, you wake up every day and you say, today's going to be the best day of my life. Today's going to be the best day of my life. Well, at this company, I used to drive to work and say, I'm going to be the number one salesperson this year. I'm going to be the number one salesperson this year. I'd say it every day on the way to work, good day, bad day, whatever it was. And it took me a long time to figure out uh, or to believe in myself and see it happen and see myself become the number one rep. I mean, that took a, that took a, a long, that took a long time, a big learning, a big learning curve there to believe and then see it happen. Yeah. And that's, and that's something too, that people should, should take into account and, and, and hear what you're saying is, you know, you got to have self-belief, especially in sales. If you're trying to sell somebody else on a product, an opportunity, a service, whatever it is, you know, you, you better have a lot of belief in yourself. I just re recently listened to a podcast and, uh, you know, they talked about like, if you're not screaming about your business from the rooftops, if you're not excited about it, how in the world do you expect someone else to be? And so, you know, for whatever reason, I was never afraid of self-promotion. And, you know, before the mortgage business has grown at all, you know, I was screaming from the rooftops about working with Matt, the mortgage guy. Um, and, you know, over time, um, I think you, you you grow into something deserving of all of all the, the marketing and all the, the fluff. But in the beginning, it's just got to be belief, because if you don't believe, how the heck do you expect um, others to believe? Um, I want to dig into um, some things and I'd love to hear, you know, your trade secrets, um, because a lot of companies, um, you know, you mortgage being one, even in a market like this, a down market are, are growing and hiring and trying to add, you know, both support staff and sales professionals. Um, what, what do you do um, to, to, I guess, take advantage of the fact that like, we not might not be in the best economic times, the job environment might, might be tough, but you know, there's organizations that are looking to grow. 
and and we want to find the very best people who might have you know had a you know in our industry a company downsize, a company merge, something happens. There's talent out there. How the heck do we find it, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> so the, <clears throat> I mean, it, it, a lot of this stuff sounds so basic, but it, it, it's like like the belief when you when you were just saying that about believing and believing yourself. It seems so easy to say and hear, but it's really hard to do. It's really hard to do. So the tips that I can give you right now, it's going to sound so simple and basic, but it's it's just, it's hard to do, right? You've got to stick with it. So the first thing I would say is um, when you have a market like this, and it's just a confusing market, you have some companies laying off and some companies hiring like crazy. There's just like this dust bowl of different activity happening, right? It's, it's just such a crazy time, but it's a great time to capitalize in top grade, meaning that in a hot economy, you might not be able to get the talent you want because you're competing with so many other different industries and companies where when you have a softer economy like we're looking at right now, you might be able to pluck a few really top talented individuals and bring them to your organization. So the first thing that you've, I mean, you you could do it however you'd like. The first way that we would approach a search is we'd want to understand who the competition is, what your top reps look like, what are the characteristics that make them top performers. And that mean, might mean that they're coming from a competitor, that might be, mean they're coming from the industry, that might mean they're coming from an industry that is different than your industry, but everyone from that particular field kills it in your, in your market. So we identify the personality type that is great for you. Then we go to market and we start to outreach and reach uh, as many people as we possibly can. So we have a KPIs, right? So we have an entire team and we focus just like a sales organization does. We focus on outreach. We're focused on a target audience. We go after that target audience and we connect with that target audience, whether it be on LinkedIn, whether it be on phone calls, whether it be through our database, we're reaching out to identify that talent. As we identify that talent, we track that. So we know for every search we're doing, we know how many people we reached out to in a week. And if we realize that we reached out to 500 people in a week, wonderful. What does our conversion ratio look like? And how many of those people are connecting with us? And how many of those people are interested in the opportunity? And then we start to evaluate the data, right? So, so, so as a company, what you want to do is you want, you want to have some kind of plan and strategy to do an outreach based on the, um, the audience you're looking for. Then you want to track that data and figure out how realistic your search is. So for us, for a company, we would be, then turn around and say, this is how many people we re reached out to. This is how many people connected. And this is how many people are interested. By the way, nobody's interested. And the reason why they're not interested is because we've got a messaging issue or the comp is off or they have non-competes. And while you want a competitor, unless you're willing to fight a non-compete, you're not going to be able to get these individuals. The idea is you're reaching out, you're connecting consistently all of the time. You should always be looking for top talent. And then as you're looking for that top talent, you're identifying who the players are. So if you need someone right now, you're trying to figure out why they are looking and why they're interested. If everyone's saying no, then we need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what is wrong. What are the issues? Is the comp off? Is the company, do we have to change the positioning around the company? Right? What's the feedback from the market? Once you understand what the feedback is from the market, you continue to track top performers. As you track top performers, you figure out your messaging, you figure out your comp structure, you figure out how you're going to track these individuals, and then you continue to track them. 
right? You drip on them, you track them, you watch where they go. And so over time, you're going to build a database full of prospective candidates that you want to bring over to your team. And that might be in one month, that might be in 18 months, but at least you know who they are, you're tracking them, you're dripping on them. And ultimately your goal is to uh, bring them in, get them excited, learn from the market, and then ultimately hire them and start them in your organization. Yeah, I like that. It's so interesting too, because I think about it on a couple different levels. You've got, you know, company-wide, you mortgage 600 person company, 350 salespeople. Then you've got, you know, my team in, in Sacramento, little, you know, power team of, of uh, you know, eight people, four salespeople, four support staff. Um, one thing, and this is, this is the greatest part about the podcast is just being able to ask you questions and, you know, selfishly get answers that hopefully other people have the same question. So hopefully this, this helps others. Um, what I've always struggled with, to be quite honest, is really deciphering who's got the it. And in sales, I think the it is constant improvement, getting better every day, wanting to grow, wanting to do more. Because some might be halfway decent, but you know whatever metric you're tracking, depending on the business, one to two a month, I get by, okay. And that's all they ever want to do. And there's other individuals that, you know, their first year, they do one to two a month, then their second year, three to four. Then their third year, seven or eight. By their fourth year, they're doing 15 deals a month. And by the fifth year, you know, they're doing 300 deals a year. And for me, just a layman, right? Like I might look at two and go, I'm just an eternal optimist, Dan. And I see people and I love all people, you know, it's probably to a fault um, where I have faith in people. And then I realize later, this is someone who's perfectly fine being average or perfectly fine being mediocre. Um, what what type of vetting um, can individuals do? Can companies do to kind of vet out who's, you know, a sales professional with that with that it that's going to grow? That's a, that's a good question. So I, I just wrote a blog and I just posted it on our website, actually. And it's about the one common denominator that makes a top salesperson a top salesperson. And there are, there are hard skills and soft skills that we look at for every one of our clients to understand, to make sure that we bring the right characteristics to the selling environment they're joining. But the one common denominator is that the top salespeople, they're workers. They have the work ethic. They have that ambition. Whether they like the work itself or not, they hold themselves accountable to to completing the work, to challenge themselves, to push really hard to get the job done. So understanding who has like the work ethic comes into, you know, some of the techniques we use, you know, comes into the, the interview. And what we like to talk about is outside of all the things that I can read on your resume, I want to understand who you are. Right? This isn't an interview. Let's just talk about who you are. I'm not going to sell you. Don't sell me. Let's just find out if this is a good fit for both parties. And if it's a good fit, you'll you'll sustain a career here for many, many years. But the first thing I want to figure out is who are you, right? Did you did you start working when you were 15 years old and were you walking to the, you know, the pizza place down the street? I mean, did you have a a paper route? I don't know. What did you do throughout your life? What what is it about you that 
makes you such a hard worker. Did you play sports and were you just a natural athlete that just that everything came to you? Or did you really like, were you in the gym before practice and after practice doing everything it took to be better? Right. So we're trying to find those, the, that, that work ethic, that, that passion to hold themselves accountable because we know that your hardest working reps uh, that have the sales characteristics you need, both hard and soft skills, will be your top performers long term. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, and and it's it's uh, it's so true because I think about you know me personally. I think about others I know about where it's like, man, this person was you know selling gum in eighth grade, and then they were yeah. delivering newspapers when they were fourteen, and 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 you know as soon as they got their work permit, they're out there hustling and working. So you probably could tell from an early age with some of these folks, but yeah, they wouldn't put that eighth grade uh, gum selling on a resume uh, for, yeah, uh, for no, LinkedIn, you don't, right? <laughs> you know, you just don't see it, you know. And and then when you look at the environments that. Um, like if when you look at your own sales environment, there there are some hard skills that you really want to understand, and that is, you know, for example, uh, is a person more of a hunter or a farmer? Are they transactional in nature or are they strategic in nature? Right? There's all of these skills. Do they sell to a recognized need or unrecognized need? Right? What's their average sales size and sales cycle or quota? All of those things are important for us because we're trying to identify the right selling characteristics for the right environment. So for example, if you have a transactional sales environment, but you meet and talk to and interview a enterprise or strategic salesperson, they're going to sound great. They're going to present incredibly well. They're going to sell you on why they're the right fit for the opportunity, right? That's why you really don't want anyone selling. You just want to figure out the, the basic understanding of their background. But um when they join the company, they won't make it. They'll quit after six months because they're not built for a transactional environment. So they can't keep up. They can't handle the pace. And so now they're unhappy, they're not confident, and they leave because they realize it's just not the right environment for them. So those hard skills and soft skills are really important for us because that is what helps us find the elite salespeople that match your selling environment so that when you start interviewing them, now they're pre-qualified, they understand the opportunity, they fit the selling environment. Now it's about who's the right culture fit, who's the hardest worker, who has the best work ethic, who is going to be the right fit for our organization, and we'll help you select that individual so that they can join your team, you can ramp them up, and then again, build the you know one of the top sales teams in the organization. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, what what I want to dig out from your decades of experience as well, because I it just came to my to my mind with um, you know, you've you've seen a thing or two, so you know a thing or two um about sales. And I think that sales, I mean, at least for me, uh it it's it's gotten a, a nasty name. So so some people move from, you know, oh, I'm not in sales, I'm an advisor. And, you know, the, the industries that I'm closest to are mortgage and real estate, you know, being a mortgage broker and then having a lot of these partnerships with real estate agents. Um, I'm of the belief um, that the highest achieving mortgage advisors, real estate professionals, whatever name you want to give them, are using this get better everyday mentality. And there's no better sell to an end consumer than to show up as a real estate agent or show up as a mortgage advisor and just ooze confidence, knowledge, you know, knowledge drives confidence and confidence drives sales. Um, so have you, have you, has it always been that way? And I just learned it or, or do you think that sales has kind of evolved, you know, as the end consumer has maybe 
gotten hip to like, hey, this guy is trying to sell me a pen. It's this is a sales pitch. And so people have had to pivot. Is it is it slowly evolved? Has it always been this way? Or is, you know, 42 year old me just kind of learning this stuff just now in life? No, it's totally evolved. You're, you're dead on it. It's uh, sales is so much more consultative, right? A, a lot of those techniques that we had learned, or at least that I had learned, you know, years ago, uh, it's just changed. People have access to so much more information than they've ever had before. And as a result, you really become, uh, uh, you know, you, you really become a great listener, uh, a really strong consultant. And you spend most, I think you spend most of your time giving guidance to help the prospect find the right solution, whether that be yours or not yours. Um, the whole idea, I think, in sales today is about consulting with your client and leading them in the right direction because they have access to most of the information anyway, right? If you're a genuine um, advisor, I think uh, people will feel much more confident and comfortable working with you than feeling as though they're being, like you said, sold. Right. Yeah. And that's the approach me and my team have taken is, you know, um, educating the masses, whether it's through yeah. YouTube or other social, yeah. you know, platforms. I'm, uh, I'm here to help. Here's all the information. If you'd like to work with me and my team, we'd be happy to help and uh, seems to be working. So if it's not broke, I'm not going to try to fix it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'd love to talk about something outside of sales, outside of, of business. You know, Dan Fantasia, as a, as a person, what are some things uh, that, that you're doing, um, getting better every day. I know you're a father of three. Um, so, so we relate there where, you know, there, there's constant get better every day when it comes to, you know, fatherhood and, and family life and balancing that with work. But, um, what, what's something that you're currently working on in this season of life? Yeah. You know what? I, um, I, I'm I'm great at failing and, and making mistakes and trying new things. Right. So for me, um, I, I like I like to mix it up and keep life like spicy and try new things. Uh, like I had mentioned to you, my son and I are trying a, a MMA class on you know tomorrow night. So that's our first one. We're going to do it for two weeks and see how it goes. But my for me personally, I I like to mix things up. Like I'm a I'm big into exercise, so I, I you know I have to exercise every morning. That's just part of who I am. It keeps me grounded. It keeps me feeling healthy and feeling good. Uh, I like to listen to podcasts and I'm not a great book reader. I wish I were, Matt. I I have plenty of them in my office right here. They're 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 all around me. Um, but I I'm better with I'm better, I'm a better listener than I'm a reader. And so I try to do as much as I possibly can. I also uh we we uh, I have a business coach, believe it or not, and that. I, I personally find the business coach for the company uh, really helps you think outside the box, uh, see um, the organization from a different perspective, and it gives you um, really a, a, a strong ability to work on the company and not always in it. So um, those things, all of those things help me with change and trying new things and diversity, and uh, it, just, it just keeps me fired up and going. Yeah, I like it. In some ways, when you talk, I'm like, I'm talking to myself. If I had a dollar for every book that's sitting on my desk, you know, and my let the power of one more, this guy's yeah. got an amazing podcast. And I've I've listened to 15 one hour podcasts, but I can't get through this dang book because <laughs> the same way I'm just not a, not a reader. So uh, 
you know, I, I I've got to be stimulated with 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 audio and visual and all those things. I don't know what it is about me, but I know that um, what what a beautiful world we live in, and where all this stuff comes to us, and and at the touch of our fingertips, we can yeah. we can listen to a podcast and get the information uh, that way. So um, I'm actually I, listening to a book now called The Comfort Crisis, and it's uh, it again, it's just the things you're saying. You know, it's just it's such a great book. I like to listen to it when I'm working out, or you know on a run or what have you. And it's just nice to mix things up. So I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Listening is huge for me. Very, very good. Yeah. I did. I did some audio books and somehow like my Apple watch isn't connected to my ear pods and moving so fast. I haven't, it's been a month. I haven't, I haven't stopped to just, you know, watch a YouTube video to figure out how to fix it. But um, before, before I let you go, I'd love to maybe end it with a couple of tips you know, straight from a, a sales guru. Um, one, um, and, and you went into it a little bit about how to hire and how to look at, um, you know, prospects and, and vet them. Um, so maybe uh, a tip for the actual prospect, for somebody who's in sales, um, what can they do um, to, you know, not necessarily fast track their career, but you talked about presenting opportunities and finding a fit. I think for some, at least I've seen it, you know, with, with, with colleagues and, and with people I've met, um, it might be the right person in the wrong opportunity, or it's like, man, this guy would do really well over there. She, you know, has the skill set to match there. Like, what's your advice to a sales professional um, who's out there and maybe just getting started uh, for how to um, navigate, you know, a, a job market like we're in right now? So, um, the first thing I would say is make sure you have plenty of runway to consider opportunities. Many times people get to us and they're, they're, they might be getting laid off or something's happening in the company and they're feeling uncomfortable and they're, they have a need to move. When you have a real urge, when you have urgency to move, you, your decisions are based on emotions you're more desperate and you can't necessarily always find a company that you're advancing your career, uh, both professionally as well as financially, right? Because you're in a rush. And the, the best thing you can do is if you're selectively looking, uh, you know, get in touch with a, a search firm. A legitimate search firm is going to consult with you, understand what you're looking for, and then serve you up opportunities that meet your criteria. If no one's doing that for you, you'll never know what the other options are because you're just not paying attention. So my suggestion would be have someone else do the work for you, stay in touch with them and have them send you opportunities so you can at least educate yourself on what's happening in the market. If you find yourself in a more desperate situation where you need to get a new job, then the first thing I would do is start to use your all of your sales techniques, meaning that uh, consider it a new territory. Right, just like you build out your territory, look at the radius of where you want to work. And by the way, that that could be that could be a radius that might not be a radius, depending on working virtually or hybrid or what have you. But identify some kind of geography that you want to work in. Then start to look at who are the companies you want to work for. Look at the companies that are listed as the best places to work in the region. Look at the fastest growing privately held companies. Look at software companies or mortgage companies. The point is identify your target audience, right? Just like you would do in any sales territory. Once you identify your target audience, start connecting. 
start finding decision makers at these companies or companies in these fields on LinkedIn and start connecting. And maybe you set a small goal of connecting with 10 people per day. That's 50 people per week, right? That's 200 people per month. The idea is you're building a sales strategy and an outreach plan to start getting you connected and in front of the right decision makers at the industry, at the companies and the industries you want to be part of. Once you do that, start tracking who's following you, who's connecting with you, messaging them saying, I, you know, find a, a common commonality or something genuine. I found, I see that I've done, been doing research in your company. And I noticed in this last, you know, press release that you're growing and hiring. I think I could be an asset to your organization and would love to know who I need to talk to, to consider an opportunity at your company. So you're building a, a sales process that's consistent, that you're held accountable to every single day. You're connecting to people, you're messaging people. And then before you know it, you're building a pipeline of opportunities. And now it's about deciding which one's the right fit for you. I love it, man. That's such great advice. I hadn't ever thought about what you said, but it's so true where, you know, when you're desperate, the decisions aren't going to be as good. And when the, when the, when it's, when it's, you know, fear and desperation and whatnot um, and, and those similarities between um, sales and, and the job hunt is uh, another great point you made too. Um, I, I think about it, combining those two things where as a salesperson, if you're desperate and, you know, I talked to some of the people on my team, people can just sense it. People can smell yes. it, right? And you want to be advising, presenting, showing all the options. If you like to work with us, you know, we're, we're here to help. And, and that sells a lot better than a hard sale from, from a desperate salesperson. And, you know, thinking about the my decade in mortgage and the three different companies I've been at, I didn't know I was doing this. Um, but maybe I'm just a savant, Dan. Maybe I'm just brilliant. I was looking at opportunities always because you never know, right? And so I wasn't in a position where I was desperate. Generally speaking, when you see movement, it's because there's pain. Oh, this company, their technology stack is, is not good or this company, their pricing is bad. And so people are moving because they're in pain. I happen to go from a great company to an even greater company, from an even greater company to, you know, where I'm at now, the greatest company in the country at Mortgage U Mortgage. Quick little plug for, for you, Mortgage. But it, it was it was because I was looking, I was studying, I was talking, I was networking. I wasn't desperately searching like, oh, my gosh. By the end of this month, I got to be somewhere new because the sky is falling. I remember specifically 2021 the best year of my career. I made a change. And thinking about it and talking to others, you you weren't seeing people move in the mortgage industry when everything was sunshine and rainbows and everyone was having a championship year. Um, but I think it's great advice for people to take from this. And 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 you said it well is like, you know, you want to be networking, you want to be looking and studying for opportunities before you're desperate before it's a necessity and you make an emotional decision. So thanks. Thanks for those gold nuggets, Dan. I appreciate it. Hopefully the get better everyday listeners will get something from that. Let's, let's end it on tree line, Dan Fantasia. Where are you guys at in 10 years? What's, what's the future look like? Ah, uh, <laughs> well, continuing to grow, but so one of our, one of our goals, like our BHAG by the end of 2029, we want to have changed the lives of over 6,000 salespeople. That's positively changed the lives, help them find new opportunities and continue to grow every day. That's the ultimate goal. 
Awesome. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And who knows, you know, starting in MMA at 52, maybe I'll see you in, in the ring in a couple years. <laughs> More like the hospital. <laughs> thanks so much for joining in. I appreciate you, brother. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Awesome time. This is Matt Gouget. Just wanted to give you a quick thank you for listening to the Get Better Every Day podcast. Hopefully you're inspired to go out there and get better every day. If you could, please do us a huge favor and leave a five-star review if you found any value in this. Share it with your friends. Again, thanks for listening and go out there and get better every day.